Hi guys, welcome to Callan FM. I'm Isabella Crowther and this is the show Femme Creators. You're either listening on Callan FM or you're listening on the podcast version. Uh, so the podcast version is the hour-long version and the radio version is an hour but with half an hour of speaking and half an hour of music in it. Um, so whichever one you're on, um, please come over to the podcast and listen to the other half because it's always just as interesting as it, and insightful as um, the, the bits where you get to listen to all of the music. So. Today, I have a new guest on the show, um, which is Words of Meraki. So, thank you so much for being on. Woo! 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 And do you want to introduce yourself? Okay, so, as you've already said, my name is Words of Meraki. Um, I'm a spoken word artist. I've been writing for about five years now, started when I was 16. And I tend to talk about social issues, my own personal experiences, and the whole idea behind my spoken word is to try and educate people, try and change perspectives and hopefully make them understand where I'm coming from. And a lot of the issues that I know a lot of other people are feeling that maybe they wouldn't have understood without my poem or something like that. So that's what I tend to do, try and educate through art and yeah, make social changes and try and be part of a social movement. So how did you get into writing and was there a lag between your writing in your bedroom and then you're doing spoken word or was it I'm gonna do spoken word so I better write something? Okay so it actually started it stems from um, if you see if you see my video so you know I've got a really big afro so five years ago I cut all my hair off um, and just like I had it really small and it was a really big moment for me because I wanted to just go natural and before that I've been using all these different chemicals in my hair to get straight hair to have that kind of western look and I finally was just like I don't want to do this anymore at like 14 my mum wouldn't let me cut my hair then she's just like no I'm not letting you do that so for two years we was begging and pleading and eventually one day my natural hair started to come out and the ends were looking disgusting because they were still got a lot of chemicals in it so she was just like okay we're gonna go to the barber today you can cut your hair but we had loads of errands to run and we live in Essex so we were like going to London and driving all around and I just had this book with me and I was just like I'm just gonna start writing so I just started I just just started writing I don't even know uh, yeah I was just writing my feelings but I was without even knowing what I was doing I just wrote my first poem and it was called Eternal Sunshine and I remember just being like oh that was kind of good. That was kind of fun to write. So um, I think I wrote maybe like six more poems that day or something like that. And after I wrote them all, I literally was just like, I'm going to post these on YouTube. I don't have YouTube anymore. I deleted it because I was just like, eventually you get to a point where you look at your past work and you're like, okay, that was a bit cringy or something like that. So I deleted those ones. But I remember um, just writing them all down and just recording them all at one go. I was just like, I want people to hear I want people to hear my words through my own voice so that they get my emotion, they understand what, how I would say it because everyone reads books and you read it so differently because it's your voice, it's your head, you don't, you don't understand exactly what the writer was doing sometimes. So I just wanted to make that clear and have everyone understand where I'm coming from. So from the beginning, I've just always done spoken word. That's so interesting that it stems from you getting your hair cut and it's it's quite sounds really symbolic or do you not believe in that at all are you a bit like well that's a bit farcical <laughs> no I 100% believe it's symbolic it was like it was like me coming into my own self I'd say like really understanding my creativity because I've I've always been a creative person my family been 
uh, my brother's quite creative as well. Um, we went to perform an art school for, at secondary school, so I've been used to that kind of like arts and drama and all of that kind of stuff. But really writing, I didn't really, it was really, yeah, it was really when I cut my hair that I realized how much I actually loved it. And to me, it was so symbolic because it was like, I'm going natural, cutting my hair, I'm getting rid of all of that bad stuff. I'm just becoming who I want to be, my authentic self. And it just felt so natural the whole per like the whole process. So I think it was very symbolic. And I always I always tell that story because I really believe that it it all links together and it all had something to do with it. So what did you do when you were in school? Did you have a, a special like major? Obviously you didn't have a major because it was secondary school, but was there like a specific thing that you wanted to do and then did it link to the spoken word in any way? You know what, it's so funny. I changed my mind about what I wanted to do with my life, like career-wise, like a thousand times. And in school, I'd say um, there were things that kind of, I once want, I said I wanted to be a politician, which is really not what I want to do anymore. But um, at that time, it was, it was something that I really wanted to do. And I thought that with my spoken word and that whole like leadership, and I was actually head girl at my school as well. So I've always been quite like a confident person and quite like spoken and like, just always trying to make differences throughout my whole life so it I feel like spoken word has always kind of been like lingering in the background just waiting for its moment to really shine because even in even in secondary school when we, when we did like English and we had to write stories and stuff I was always like putting all my emotion bearing my soul onto these pieces of paper like and I remember being in school and people look at me sometimes I write something really dark and the whole class would be like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like me this is me I'm just I'm just raw I just um I try to be as authentic as I can when it comes to art because it's art is life it's just so beautiful and it's I feel like it's just so important and yeah it just means so much to me that I couldn't do anything that I didn't feel comfortable doing really you know how people always say oh I'd have loved to have been a ballerina if I'd have been able to do ballet or I would have loved to have been an astronaut if I'd have been able to be an astronaut is there anything that you would have rather that you in a perfect world if you had to pick something what would you do that's different to what you do now in a perfect world I think I'd either be an actress because I do love acting a lot or it'd, it'd probably be because right now I'm, I feel like I am making changes like around me with the people around me, but I feel like in the perfect world, I'd already be in a really high position of influence to like actively change the world because that's always been, that's always been my biggest thing. Like I've always seen, I feel like from a really younger age, I've been quite aware of like the issues of the world and society. And especially once again, through through secondary school I started sociology and then I went on to do it at A-level so that really opened my mind up to more of like the institutions and all of the more injustices going on in the world so I think it would either be actress or something something still in the kind of same realm that I'm in now but more activism I'd say something like that that'd be cool. So would you ever like to switch between the two if it got to a point where your poetry kicked off and you'd like to do acting as well? I feel like Hmm, that's an interesting question. I've literally never thought of that before. I feel like right now I am. It's weird because I've been doing this. I've been doing spoken word for so long, and like now, like I'm starting to get more recognition for it. And I'm just. I've got tunnel vision. I'm so like dedicated to this now, and especially because there's like, especially because this is to me, this is like the biggest amount of fire we've had for Black Lives Matter. Like we've been fighting this for a long time, yes, but this is like the biggest we've had, like the most attention we've had 
the mo more people that I've seen like on just on my TL, just the amount of people I've seen like posting stuff has been crazy in comparison to what it's ever been before. So I feel like I'm so dedicated to just keeping on this and through art, just inspiring people and changing people's perspectives that that is all I can think of right now. I think when the reason I was particularly drawn to you and wanted you on, I saw that one poem called First Time and I was like, oh my goodness, I have to I like, follow this girl. I have to interview her for the show because it was so direct and, and I haven't seen anything like that in a long while. The, the choice of words were just very precise, very clear. This is my statement. This is who I am. You either have to get on or get right off. And, and I was like, this is amazing. Um, and so, so where was I going with this? It's just like, I'm just going to compliment you now. <laughs> I've got a really bad habit of just being like, I'm going to compliment this person and I've got no follow-up. <laughs> to this at whatsoever um so so yeah I was like I've got to have this person on and I was super thrilled when you said you would be on um could you possibly read that either now or later on in the the show is that possible yeah 100% whenever you want me to do it I'd be able to do it brilliant so who are your icons so do you have any any poets that you're particularly like this is who I would love to be like um I would like to achieve this or are you very of the mind of wherever I get with this is where I get with this and I'm just going to try as hard as I can um, or I've got no interest in being like anyone else. Um, what are your viewpoints on having influences and people that you deem to be, um, seem to be in high esteem? Okay, so I definitely have some um, inspiration. So my Angelo, of course, like, she's everyone's inspiration is she not <laughs> so definitely that was always that was always someone that I looked up to and I'd say that on like the British um the British scene there is someone called Sophia Paco um she's an amazing she's an amazing poet she's been around for ages as well because I remember finding her when I was like 15 on YouTube and she's just like she's excelled so much since then and she's she's one of the main reasons why I've like kept pushing on because for me, I when I first started, I've kind of felt like poetry and spoken word was kind of, it couldn't really be commercial. And not that it needs to be commercial because I wouldn't want it to just be something that's just like not real, just so that loads of people can see it. But in terms of, it didn't seem like it appealed to a mass in the way that other things do, like music and stuff like that, do you know what I mean? So um, when I saw her just like getting through it and she's doing gigs and she's doing all this stuff, she was at Lovebox. Um, I think it was last year or the year before. So just seeing her like break boundaries and just get into all these different scenes really inspired me. But I would also say it's quite funny because most of my inspiration actually comes from rappers more than it comes from um, poets itself. Because to me, um, spoken word, rap, very similar, like very, very, very similar. And people like um, Akala. Akala is one of my biggest inspirations ever. He is the best he is the best i'm just gonna say that again he is the best like um i've been following him for apps basically all of my most of my life i found him on like fire in the booth ages ago and he was and he was spitting these raps but he was educating us he was talking about when rush he was talking about his own um issues with racism growing up as a biracial man it was it was very interesting i was just like 
oh so people are rapping about like really deep stuff and i know that people have been because people like lauren hill also inspire me and stuff like that but just in a british scene as well it was just really interesting to see more of a conscious rap so people like akala mike righteous j cole kendrick lamar all these people and miss dynamite no name all these people they've all they've all been just like big influences because i've just seen what they've done what they've been able to do with their words and how they've just been able to express themselves so eloquently but still still keep you interested and that's how i don't like honestly i don't know how i've been able to do it really like sometimes i'm writing and i finish the poem and i'm like did i write this <laughs> like, i've got like no memory of writing it like first time it's a complete blur to me now but um yeah these people definitely inspire me but i'd also say i I haven't, I'm not gonna lie, in my life I haven't looked too much into other poets because I just don't want to compare myself to them too much. It's very easy to look at all these people who are doing the same kind of scene as you and then be like, oh, they're doing this and you're not doing that. And I just, I'm in a, I'm in a period right now where I'm just like, I'm gonna work on myself and I'm just gonna keep going. Like I've got, I've got goals to like continue to grow and improve and get a bigger audience so more people can see it. But not even for, like none of this, none of this from the bottom of my heart is for like clout or to be famous or anything like that. It's nothing like that. I literally only want people to, I only want a big following so that more people can hear my words because I feel like they're powerful and I feel like they are educational and that people can learn from them. They are all of those things. You're quite, quite right. Um, so you were talking about when you write sometimes you don't even remember where it comes from or you don't even remember thinking about it what is your writing process does that happen with every single poem you write or is that just a one-off thing okay so my my writing process is very very weird when i started at 16 i was just i was just steaming through i was just writing everything because at the beginning when you're just when you're starting out just like, i'm just gonna write everything down even if it's rubbish i'm gonna write it finish the poem Bish, bash, bash, be done with it. As I've got older, I'd say sometimes inspiration hasn't been around as much. I've gone through, oh, I've gone through like periods of time where I'm like a year of writer's block, haven't wrote a single poem. And I've been in this five years, so that, that tells you like, that's only like four years of actual writing experience. But um, I feel like recently I've kind of, it really happened with first time, which is why I love first time because it really just like changed me as a poet which is crazy, but with first time, I, I'd seen, so basically I'd seen um, the George Floyd video only a little bit, I only watched like the first, first bit because I was just like, I don't need to put myself, like I physically can't put myself through this, I know how this ends, I know where this goes. I watched Eric Garner's one when I was 15 and um, that really like, that really shook me to a core. So, and I really, I really don't like the way that um, the media makes black, bodies um especially back when it comes to like corpses and deaths and stuff like that so out there in the world for everyone to see you don't see any other race being disgraced like that um just videos everywhere you could see it from different angles just everywhere and it's like i understand why it has to happen because without these videos we wouldn't be able to get where we are but yeah that was just it was too much for me to watch the whole thing and then I was kind of like processing my head i kept thinking okay debbie i know that there's a poem going to come out of this because i know you're angry you're upset but it was just kind of like lingering in the background. And then Ahmed Arbery died as well. And that just, I just started getting really angry. Seeing like Breonna Taylor and all these things, it just started to, and then one day I was just like, I, I think I was, I think I was actually just sitting there and I was just like crying. I was just crying. I was like, no, we just need to write. We just need to sit down and just start. Wherever you go with it, just 
just just I don't even have a writing process I just write what I feel and I just I what I tend to do is I've got this one song I can't pronounce it it's like in a different language and I just play it on repeat and repeat and repeat and I've used it for about all of my new poems I've used it for that and I just keep playing it over and over again and I'm just getting into it's as if I get into it it's like a meditation kind of thing I'd say it's as if I get into this process where I'm just by myself like in my room, completely surrounded by the music. And I've got, and this Bluetooth headphones I put in, so it's like noise cancelling. It's really just me and that music and my thoughts. And I just sit there and I just, I let it manifest really, I really do. I just let it manifest and let these emotions come out of me. And then I just, I just start writing. And like, literally I'll be writing, I'll be like, oh, I need to write stuff. And then like, and I just start going. And then I'm like, and yeah, as I'm writing with all of them, I'd say I kind of lose myself because I'm just in a different state. It's as if like, I don't even know what happens. It's as if someone takes over my body because I write these poems and I'm writing them. And then afterwards, as I said, I just look at it and I'm like, I can't believe that I wrote these words because in my head, I just feel like, what? Am I smart enough to be doing this right now? How have I done this? So yeah, it's always kind of a state of like confusion afterwards, after I've done it. But as soon as I finish it, I just, I get the sense of relief. So like, I am still very angry about all the injustice in the world, but it's as if that is my therapy. It's my, it's my way of getting it out. And it's just like, as soon as I finish it, I'm like, oh, I can breathe again. Cause then like, when I'm writing, I don't like, it's as if I get, I actually get anxious. I'm sweating. I'm literally, I'm going through all the emotions because I'm just, I'm really pouring myself out into these pages and I'm really being vulnerable. And I feel like I haven't given myself enough credit for that in the past of understanding that this is actually, you're, you're really opening yourself up to people. And it's, it's really with like this last, these last couple of poems that people are like, thank you so much for sharing this. Thank you so much for putting this out there, for sharing your experiences. And I'm like, oh, I really understand that this means a lot to people. And I'm actually doing, because I don't have to do this. I don't have to tell people about the horrible experiences that I've faced, but I, I feel like it's educational. It needs to be done. So yeah, my writing process is very, very difficult and very weird, but I just kind of, I kind of just feel inspired and I start writing. But I feel like now I've been doing more research into how to stay inspired because I, I don't want us to just like lose momentum. And I was reading this, this article in The Guardian and it was just, she said, it's sad, but what you really need to do is you just have to keep seeing the tragedies in the world, which is true because that's the only way that I'm gonna be inspired to write about these issues is if I keep educating myself, learning more about them, being more angry at certain situations and just really, expose myself more to this which is kind of mentally draining and it's it's a lot it's a, it's a big process but at the same time I know it's worth it I know that even if it is draining it's definitely worth it That's really interesting. So the process is not comfortable for you at all. It is. It's a horrible process, actually. I won't lie. Like my heart is beating so fast. I'm honestly like sweating buckets. I'm really like my head is like pounding. I'm really going through it. But at the same time, as I'm writing, it's like a, it's so much adrenaline's in me because I know that every time I write a line, I'm like, okay, I know that's good. I know that's going to sound good when I come back to it later. So like, and that's another thing. I'll there's one thing with writing it and then there's another thing with performing it. So I'll write these poems and then when it comes to actually performing it, I'll look back and it will just be like, 
okay, this is how I need to say this, but this is how I need to say this bit. And sometimes you forget that you've, you've wrote certain bits, like when you're, when you're like performing and then you get to them like, oh, okay, this is good. Okay. And then you just get more oomph and you just, eventually you get more momentum. So I feel like when I start all my poems, I kind of start off kind of a bit, I try to start off as confident as I can, but there's still nerves. Like the same, the same kind of anxiety I have whilst writing, I definitely have whilst performing. 100% it's the same kind of until I'm like maybe a minute in or maybe like 30 seconds in then I'll relax a bit more get comfortable start moving my hands more start really doing what I need to do really so yeah so is there any other reason why other than education and that it is important to you is there another reason why you you feel like it is necessary for you to put yourself through the uncomfortableness um just interested in whether you have any other perspectives in that um so I'd say I just feel like I'm a, I'm a bit of a weird one I'd say because I the way that my life has been I feel like a lot of my things have come through struggle a lot of my best things have come through struggle and I've been one of the biggest things for me is every bad thing that's happened to me it's really made me resilient like I look back on everything and I'm so much stronger and I know everyone says that but I really like I'm, I really feel myself every single time just becoming stronger and knowing like, you know what, you got through this, you're going to get through the next thing. And with poetry, even though it is so, it is so painful at times, it is, it is draining and it is uncomfortable. The feeling I get when I've like finished is so fantastic. It's so fantastic that it is, it is worth it. It is 100% worth it. And it's so therapeutic for me. It really is like Poetry has helped me through loss, it's helped me through mental health issues, it's helped me through everything. It's really been something that's been able to ground me in times when I've just been like losing it a bit. So if I'm ever just like, oh my goodness, I'm like losing my mind, I don't know what to do, just write it down, just write it down. That's really useful because so many times people say, oh, um, you've got to be comfortable to create. And um, if you're not, if you don't love the process, then it's not worth it. And I'm very of the mind that sometimes you're just not going to like the process. But everyone mm-hmm. is like, you've got to love the process. You've got to love the process, man. Like, sometimes I just want to write something. I want to get a piece of art out there. And then it's done. And then I feel great. And that's the joy. Mm-hmm. 100%. I feel like, yeah, there's so many, I feel like there's so many different ways of, um, that people create and when I was younger I used to be really stuck up on, upon how other people did it and I was just like how comes they're writing poems all the time and I'm like I've got writer's block like, how comes this is happening I just continue to compare myself to other people and I was really just like their process isn't working for you it's not going to work for you just you I feel like the most important thing is your creative process should work for you it should be it should be you it should be your child it should be your thing and it may not be as healthy as other people's. Like some people can write happy poetry. I'm really not, I've said it many times, I'm not a happy poet. <laughs> I just am not like, I can do a happy-ish poem, but to be like, oh yeah, like love, I love love and all this stuff. I just feel like I'm just not there yet. Maybe in time I can get there, but right now I just, yeah, that's not, that's not me. And my process is, is uncomfortable, but it's also, it's uncomfortable, but it's comfortable for me. And that's why it's okay, if that makes sense. And that's what everyone's process should be. Stop comparing yourself to other people. If it's comfortable for you, even if other people are like, I'm not going to what you're doing, it's fine. There's so many people around me who've like um, done spoken word as well. And they've just, they've been 
I see them literally bashing out these poems and I'm seriously out here just like, ah! and I just, I really just, I say no, Debbie, no, don't even think about that, just do you. I completely agree because people are so different anyway. How could there be one perfect way for everyone to create stuff? Exactly. <laughs> and we have our experiences and we have our own writing styles that there is no way that my process could work for everyone. Some people look at my process and be like, that is so unorganized. I could never. I need, I need a structure. I need deadlines. I need this. I need that. Whereas that would freak me out. That would freak me. If I had to be like, okay, you need to do this amount of poems by this week that would freak me out I'd be like how am I supposed to write that well if I'm not inspired even after I wrote first time and then I got the recognition I got for that I literally called up so many of my family members I was like what if I can't write in a poem what if I can't like what if I go and write this book for like three months what's gonna happen now like I don't know what to do and I'm just like Debbie just relax take it easy and just go for it mm. I was like cool thanks family what gems <laughs> um and so thank thank you very much for the poetry and for the comfort because we appreciate it as people who listen to the poetry good job good job family what did you want to do when you were really little do you remember having an earliest memory of like five like four or five like really really tiny when I was really little what did I want to do I think I wanted to be a chef I think I wanted to be a chef. I still love food and I still enjoy cooking now, but I definitely wanted to be a chef when I was younger. I remember that. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just thought it'd be really cool, especially because they had those like, you know, when they have the hats and like they have the, um, they have like their, you know, how Gordon Ramsay wears that. What's it called? Their uniform. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what they're called. Either. But yeah, I used to look at that and just like, that looks really cool. And I used to see, um, just the way they used to chop up stuff, like chopping up onions and stuff, and they'd just be so quick about it. And they just have all these techniques. I was like, oh, this is cool. I wish I could do this. But yeah, I soon oh, realised. And knives. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Fast> chopping. <laughs> Especially because, like, um, and even when I got older, I feel like Chef, it came around a couple of times. So I remember when, like, Nintendo DSs came out, and I had Book and Mama, and that game used to get me so excited. I was like, I love this <laughs> You've, I completely forgot about that game. <laughs> I love it. It's my favourite game. It was amazing. Honestly, I haven't thought about that for years. <laughs> You're like, oh wow. It's like, oh, re I really have lived a life. It's like, you know, so strange. Nice. Right. Sometimes I'm much older than I feel because I'm 21, but I don't feel 21 at times. So it's weird. <laughs> Why, how old do you feel? And then, oh, I still feel like I'm 16. Mm. I feel like I've been at 16 and I haven't increased at all, especially because I have got a baby face as well. I feel like my whole, sometimes I'm just like, am I actually 21? So like the other day I was remembering that I left school like four years ago. I was like, I'm old now. I left secondary school. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> it is, growing up is strange. So, what are your favourite musicians? I always Ooh. like this question. This is such a hard question. So I am a, I'm an all-rounder when it comes to music. I love music from all different aspects, all different genres. I really believe that I probably like every single genre. There's at least like a couple of songs in each genre that I will 100% love. So I'd say um, people like Fela Kuti, he is a really big 
inspiration for me. He's um he's probably he's one of the biggest inspirations for African music as a whole. He created Afrobeat, which later on now we have the modern version of Afrobeats. Um and people like Wizkid, Burner Boy, Davido, all these people, they stem from Felakuti and what he did. And he really he did I can't even describe his vibe. It's just oh, it's amazing. It's 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 just so it's so rich with African, just like African vibe, if that makes sense. It's just a vibe. It's just, he's a pioneer of music in that sense. The, his intros, he had the, like the longest intros and I loved it because he's so long and it, he teases you. He teases you the whole time. You're just, you're waiting for it. You're waiting for it. And then we just come in with these vocals and you're just like, yes, this is absolutely fantastic. And, um, He's someone that my whole family has been able to enjoy because he's around like my dad, my dad knows and he's more known to my dad out of all of us. And then my brothers, where we got more, where me and my brothers got more interested into music, we started to learn about him and we learn about, because we kind of knew people who stemmed from him. So like Laba Jazz stems from him as well. He's another really big Nigerian um, Afrobeat artist. Um, so he really, he really, yeah, it really just like them two together really are like two of my musicians in the African kind of side from it. Um, I'd say I also love Lauren Hill. Um, she's also one of my faves. Um, I love. Oh my goodness, my name, my head is just going blank. You always forget that Lauren Hill is also a guitarist. I feel yeah. like that's so important just to see young women playing instruments she's mm -hmm. like just incredible like i remember i was listening to um she's got this acoustic unplugged um album and she just plays the guitar in a couple of those in a couple of those um songs and it's just so beautiful and i'm just like oh lauren you you've really got the skill of your hands i'd say that um who else do i really like i, I literally can't think of anyone off the top of my head right now oh, okay let's have an inane question so what's your favorite type of ice cream oh where's my favorite type of ice cream i would say my favorite type of ice cream is probably either hagen dazs cooking cream love that i love how soft it is or ben and jerry's cookie dough yeah of course classic yeah. <laughs> So, and then moving on to another completely different question. Um, what, who do you think creatively is underrated? Do you have any people who are like, oh, this is a hidden gem who I would like to be seen more other than yourself, of course, because of course that's what we want. Okay, so not enough people know about Laura and Vula. She is an amazing artist. <laughs> No one can see this because this is radio, but I'm like clutching at my heart, like, oh, <laughs> cannot cope. Loved her. So basically, I think my brother, he went to like an iTunes festival. They used to do these iTunes, I don't know if they do them still, he used to do these iTunes festivals. And he actually went because another hidden gem, Rebecca Ferguson, she was on X Factor. She, um, me, and her, me and my brother loved her from X Factor. And he was like the biggest fan, went to any concert that she was at. And she did this iTunes festival. I think Laura and Vula opened up for her or she was she was at some point in the in the festival and he was like Debbie you need to you need to go onto this um 
Instagram to this artist. And then I heard Green Garden and my, I was just like, who is this wonderful woman? Where did she come from? Why is she so amazing? And why does no one know about her? She is, she is fantastic. Like, and our whole family, they all play so many um, instruments. They're just a really talented family as a whole. And I've like, since then I've become like one of her biggest fans. I've gone to so many of her concerts. Her albums have been amazing. Um, yeah, she's got this one song actually. Um, it's inspired by Maya Angelou. It's called Phenomenal Woman and it's fantastic so definitely if people hear this they should check that out as well Laura and Vula M-V-U-L-A she's amazing she's absolutely amazing what's the what's the poetry scene like in Essex oh okay so I've <laughs> it's really funny because I only came to this um realization probably was it last week oh sorry there's a car go past I don't know if you can hear that but um about yeah, a week ago I came to this realisation that I actually haven't performed too many times in public. I performed, so um, in Essex, I've never really done anything in Essex because Essex is kind of a weird one. If you don't have a car, especially where I live, if you don't have a car, it's kind of, kind of difficult to get to places in Essex because it's just, the buses are kind of long and they're not frequent enough. Trains, yeah, just same. They get like two an hour sometimes. It's just it's a bit of an issue so i um i haven't really been in the poetry scene in essex i when i went to i um, went to uni in canterbury so when i went to canterbury i in first year i kind of decided that okay i'm gonna try to do some open mics because i've never done one before let me just try it so i did my first one that went really well and i kind of and i remember hearing there was a big um scene in kent like loads of like a big poetry scene in kent so i started going to more open mics and talking to people, joining groups. But it still kind of felt like it was kind of, I don't know if I just couldn't find it. It kind of, kind of felt hidden. But um, now I'm back in Essex. Um, my plan is to travel out to London because traveling to London's not deep for me. It's like 45 minutes. Um, and just go do more of those kind of open mics, more of those kind of, because there's been a lot of like social distancing protests, but there's been like art protests kind of thing where they just get people to come through and like, just do what they do and yeah so I did a protest in Canterbury before I came back to Essex two was it two weeks ago two weeks ago or a week ago I think it was a week ago and um that was actually my third performance I think third no my, yeah that was my third public performance ever so yeah because I did the two open mics in Canterbury and then I did that protest and yeah, I remember just before I was about to go on, I came to the realisation as my third performance and that the amount of people here was a lot more than the people that were in that open mic. In that open mic, there was about, um, there was about maybe like 20 people, 30 people that push. That protest, there was about, I tell a lie, that was my fifth performance, but um, that protest, there was about like a thousand people there. So it was just, yeah. <laughs> I remember just before I went and I was like, guys, I, I really am not prepared for this. I don't have the... I don't have the CV to back it up really, but I think what helps me is the fact that I have been performing since I was um, in year seven. I've been doing productions and like plays and musicals and all stuff. So I'm kind of used to performing anyway in that sense. So in terms of like anxiety and stuff before I perform, it is still there. It's still quite prominent. Like I still go through it. But at the same time, I always remind myself, Debbie, you've done this before. You've you've done you've been on stage before you, you've done shows you've done this it's not too different so 
yeah, I don't really know much about the scene, but I'm trying to get into it more now. So yeah, that's what my plan is anyway. Do you have any favourite films? Ooh, this is a hard question. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's, this is almost as hard as asking me what are my favourite like, favorite songs. But um, favourite films? Okay, no, one that I know for sure, Inception, is one of my favourite films in the whole entire world. <laughs> that film, I just, and I think, as I've watched it as I got older, I'm like, okay, it's actually not as cool as I thought it was when I was younger. But when I was younger, I was just like, this is crazy. And I didn't really watch psychological thrillers and stuff like that when I was younger. So watching something like that was really crazy to me. Um, what's another favorite film of mine? Ooh. Oh, well, it's not, no, actually I don't like the film. I was gonna say Les Mis, but I prefer the musical over the film. So I'd say, oh, Rent. Rent, the musical, the film version of that. Absolutely love Rent. It's one of my favourite musicals. After they miss, it goes Rent. So, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a big, that is a big movie as well. Um, other movies do I like? Oh, Moonlight. I really liked Moonlight. That was, I just enjoyed that whole, the whole movie was just, I remember sitting there in, in the cinema with my cousin and we were just like in awe of the whole the whole film and just like the cast was amazing, the acting was amazing. I loved that. I can't think of any more movies. Yeah, I can't think of any more movies right now. I don't really, yeah, my favorite kind of movie, type of movie is usually like a psychological thriller or something more like social where like, it usually angers me. So I watched like the Harriet Tubman movie the other day and ah, oh, and it was like, it was literally maybe like two weeks ago, which was just, Obviously, at a time like this, this is like the, what's the best time to be watching it, but it's also the worst time because it's really triggering, especially when you're hearing them use like racial slurs on it. And you know they're only using racial slurs because that's what they used at the time as part of the script. But we're just like, oh, and the way that they're like treating them on it. So, yeah, but more of those like um, social injustice kind of movies as well, where you like find out with people's stories and stuff. Those are the kind of things that I'm into. Do you have any? hobbies outside of poetry that that you feel enrich the poetry hmm. that's an interesting question i feel like so i read that's that's one hobby so that obviously is going to um help with my spoken word especially i've been reading um i've started to read more non-fiction books which I haven't really done in the past. And it's really funny because I feel like, as we were saying earlier about with like things meaning things and like symbolic um, and stuff like that. With, with like this year, I went to the Philippines um, for a month in January um, for my placement. And oh, so by the way, I'm a student nurse. Don't know if I told you oh, that. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> for some reason so, yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, this, this girl is doing creative writing. So I was like, yeah. No one every single person who has ever met me has said that or they've said like i'm into fashion or something like that they've never said person. Mm. And like, really i'm like i kind of like that i kind of confuse people it's kind of fun but um so i went yeah i went to the philippines for a month and i wanted to buy some books so i bought um i literally bought why i'm no longer talking to uh, um talking about race white people because i i've always wanted to read it i just i couldn't bother before to like buy it i don't know why that's weird but um i, I like in january i finally bought it and I remember reading it and just being like, I even wrote a post on it. I was just like, on like on my story, I was just like, okay, this is the day that I dedicate, like that I'm not, I'm not gonna make racist people feel comfortable again. I'm so over this. Like after reading that book, I was like, you know what? 
this is this is the last time so it's weird that in the space of like january to like now like i posted that what in may so like from january to may that everything's kind of come together and it's all linked without me really having to do much it's kind of it's kind of weird but um another hobby that i'd say what hobby should i do oh no this has nothing to do with spoken word but i've recently started skateboarding <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's quite cool um that is I, really cool do you see yeah, the other girls doing skateboarding or is that just a quarantine thing so basically i um when i was in canterbury i was living with three of my friends um and so it was just all girls and i think they watched i think they watched this movie called betty which is really good skateboard movie um and after that they were kind of inspired or it might have been vice versa they might have already been inspired and then watched that but either way they watched it bought their skateboards and i was like oh i want to jump on this so um i was like i'll wait a bit see how you guys go see if like i would see if their their kind of determination would die out because i'm gonna buy my skateboard if your determination gonna die out, i'm gonna do this all together because then i might not have the determination myself so um i wanted to wait out a bit and i was like using their skateboard so i used it a couple of times and literally no not even a couple of times the second time I was using that skateboard. I sprained my ankle. No. <laughs> no. I, I've like, this is the best of my, it happened like a month ago. This is the best that my ankle has been since then. I could, for two weeks, I had to get crutches, went to hospital. I like gross swelling. Like I did a number on it. I really did a big number. And it was so embarrassing. Cause it was like, when I was telling people like, oh my gosh, yeah. So how long have you been skateboarding for? I was like, that was my second time actually, yeah. <laughs> so yes, but my skateboard is coming tomorrow. I'm very excited. It's been a month. I've like been exercising my ankle. It still feels like I really wasn't aware that sprains could take this long to heal. Like it can it can take a couple months. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And I think what's another hobby? My my other hobby is really listening to music. Like even though sometimes I really go through stages where I'm just listen to some music music is definitely something inspires me so much like because those emotions i feel like music really draws my emotions out so listening to me new music sometimes i'll listen to like just the theme of their of their song and i'll be like oh okay they've done it as a song but yeah maybe i could talk about this maybe i can bring my two pence on it and one other person i still we were talking about people before like singers and musicians and stuff ari lennox is an amazing She's an amazing um, singer. She's fantastic. She's like, she's another just unapologetically black woman who is just out here doing bits. I just, she, her music is so soulful. And so it's like neo soul. It's just, her voice just sounds like butter. It's, it's ridiculous. And yeah, she's definitely someone else who is amazing. So yeah, I'd say music, reading, skateboarding. What else do I do? Oh, my brother wants me to start training with him at the gym. So I think that that might be good for just like feeling fit. I feel like the more I get into a structure, the more I feel like things will start to feel better and just everything will link nicely, if that makes sense. You're not someone who like sits on their butt, are you? You're like a real doer. Oh, it's so like I am and I'm not. Like I can go through stages of being like I am, I am like, oh, I am up there in the top procrastinators at times. I really. <laughs> And it's embarrassing. It could be the simplest thing. Like, okay, so I got my trakers pissed. Um, and they'll be like, I'll be in the living room. And all I need to do is go to the kitchen, boil some kettle, put a bit of rock salt in there, in a little cup, get a cotton bud and clean it. And then I'll go, I'll go like a day without doing it. I'm like, 
Debbie, it would have taken you two seconds to go into the <laughs> go into the kitchen, turn come back down, sat down, waited. It takes and it takes literally a minute to clean your trailers, and yet I will be out here just wasting time for like days. Why? That makes no. But at the same time, I feel like yeah, I back to Essex. I'm just like I need to keep my brain busy, otherwise I'm just gonna I'm gonna decline, and I don't want to do that. I want to keep pushing forward, so. I just yeah I'm trying to stay busy as possible and like even this week I was like I was up to like 5 a.m this morning just because I was just like okay how am I gonna because I'm, I'm really trying to make plans of how I'm gonna like improve how I'm gonna grow how I'm gonna do this so sad, like I've signed up to like virtual open mics this week and stuff like that just trying to put myself out there more and just really focus and train myself up because I know that I've still got loads more to do I don't read enough poetry which I need to do just for like just as I feel like it's important to hear of people's poems anyway and just to kind of through through listening to other people's art you do learn and you do get better and you do you do improve so I feel like that's something that I definitely need to do more so yeah I'm trying to stay as busy as possible during this quarantine because that's how people get sad and I don't want to be sad mm. yeah staying in your thoughts for too long mm. unless you want to get a poem out of it it's probably not yeah. a bad idea is there a question that you wished I'd asked you? Which is always Ooh. one of my most basic questions to everyone. I don't think so, you know. I feel like in terms of my poetry, we've spoken quite a bit about what I do and how it happens and so like The only... No, I feel like... Yeah, maybe the only thing would be something about... Um, do you have any kind of like, do you ever write something and hate it afterwards? Or do you ever write something and do you ever, do you ever feel scared when you like post these poems and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. like, and the answer to that, I've just asked myself a question and I'm answering it. How that? <laughs> but <laughs> is, I feel like I haven't, I haven't, I haven't um, written anything recently that I've hated. I haven't written anything in a long time that I've hated. If I, very quickly on in my process, if I realise I don't like where this is going, I'll just scrap it. I'll just like, I'll just scrap it and that will be the end of that. And I'll just be like, and maybe I'll like steal two lines from that that I thought were good. And then the rest of it can just go in the bin. And, um, and especially because I write... I, I used to want to be like oh as authentic as I can be the best like but yeah yeah book and paper and pen and just like do you know what I mean just do it really um old school and I realized it's really messy it's really messy because I just like every five seconds I'm like nope don't like that so I have to cross it out but I'm just like so when I come to read it am I gonna have to rewrite it neatly again or am I gonna read all this mess on it so I changed my mind and started writing um it on the notes of my phone and then once it's done then I like neatly write it into my book to um read it for like my poems and stuff like that and the second part of that question no I don't I don't tend to be scared of what people think I think the reason why is because being in Essex is like predominantly white um so before I had any kind of like following I had like the only people I had on there would have been people from my family, people that I met in London or people from Essex. And I've, I've been talking about some of these issues before. This isn't, this isn't something new to me. I feel like that's one thing that I just kind of, I'm, I'm always, this, the, the bit that I'm most scared about, about um, 
doing this poetry right now is that I don't want people to seriously think that I'm out here just trying to be famous because that's literally the last bit on my agenda and I have been talking about these issues for a long time so I feel like because I've had so many people from Essex on my Instagram already and people are, like not everyone in Essex is racist but I've, I've been through a lot of racism in Essex so that if I can post on my Instagram and not feel any type of way new people coming through who are following me I assume you'll follow me because you liked my poem in the first place so I'm no longer scared like the people and I feel like even my stories now I'm writing I'm writing these posts out like educating people telling them about all these different things and I'm like less scared to call people out and stuff because I'm like you followed me because you knew this was what I was going to do and if you don't like it then you can unfollow because I'm not here to make any I'm not here to make racist people feel comfortable at all no you've made me feel uncomfortable for 21 years now it's your turn <laughs> you know so that's that's where I'm at with it I'm just so up on I really don't care what they've got to say about it I remember like at the Canterbury protest they were like oh yeah people have been um the person organized it was like people have been emailing me making fake accounts being really racist and all this stuff and I just like I worry for your safety and so with this I was like I don't care I absolutely do not care like this is about making a change and I, the reason why certain situations have been allowed to go on for so long is because people have been trying to silence our voices through different ways like and sometimes you're like, oh yeah, safety and stuff like this. Sometimes it is really important to cancel things. If there's like, if there's really going to be an issue of safety and like there's a threat to your life and stuff, then obviously it makes sense to cancel it. But at the same time, I just feel like racist people, they've got to go now and I'm, I'm not here for it anymore. So enough is enough and we're done. Hey, 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 hey. All the way through, like, yes, I was like, I'm not going to make noise through it. I'm just going to sit and listen intently and then just go a bit mad at the end. She's like, yes, all of that is correct. And also, I hope you become really well known. It's like, you might not want that, but I want that for you. See, I'd like to be well known. I'd like to be well known in terms of, I don't know. I feel like the reason why I'm so, I can't even speak. Okay, so I would like to be an influencer. Not in the sense of like, I'm an influencer, like, yeah, I go like, here's me with my um, clothes and my makeup and stuff like that. Not that that's bad at all, because I really love those girls. They inspire me a lot. I like their makeup, they, their outfits are lit, all that stuff. But I feel like me personally, the way that I want to influence people is not what the stereotypical influencer is at the moment. So if I can, and that's what my big thing is, I'm trying to figure out how, I can make poetry become that kind of like people can see how people can become poetry influencers and change the world basically. That's what my thing is. So if I can do if I can become a poetry influencer and I can do it through that way, then yeah, I would I would really like I'd really like that. That'd be really cool. Shout out Alia because um she reposted my poem first time and that was like that that's how I got like I'm pretty sure that's how people saw me because <laughs> I just DM'd her and she was really lovely about it. She said she liked it and she reposted it. So big shout out to Mahali. I'll go listen to her if you don't know her. <laughs> sure. Wait, I used to go to college with her. Isn't that weird? Whoa. So, yeah. Well, this will come out the radio show. I was, I was, um, ugh, I was in the same year as her brother. We went to the same arts college and, um, oh. Yeah, I was just, it's so weird because I like remember her, it was like b back in the days of indie where she was like, everyone was wearing beanies, just her rocking out in the stairwell in her beanie. And now she's like Mahalia. And I'm like, yeah. like, 
she, she deserves it though she's so phenomenal so fantastic EP like it's two songs or three songs and oh those three songs are still fantastic they're just mm. amazing I all day but yeah so did you grow up in did you not grow up in Wales then I, I grew up in Wales and then I did two years of college so it was like you, you're like the Brit school but just in Birmingham so it's like probably like moved oh. there for two years and then came back oh, and I loved it it's the best it sounds- best time of my life the the best time of my life um and yeah it was yeah I was just just thinking about it oh it's lovely I miss Birmingham sometimes I'm like oh maybe I should move back but uh but nah not right now yeah not right now definitely not right Mm -mm. now but I've heard it's a good thing about Birmingham everyone says it's a it's a fun place to be Mm, the poetry scene in Birmingham is really good yes I know because I was actually supposed to go to Birmingham University, University of Birmingham, yeah, for my nursing degree, but then I failed my A-levels, so <laughs> I kind of, um, I had to go to like, I went to Canterbury instead, which, you know what, I look at everything in perspective, and I'm like, I wouldn't have met the people that I met, I probably wouldn't have gone down certain paths, and it, everything always, it makes sense, everything links back, so, um, but no, I remember, because there's this, um, for people who are, who want to know more about them, I'm seeing as well, Beat Freaks, it's like a big thing out there. Um, I follow them on Twitter as well. They're always doing stuff in Birmingham, like those open mics and stuff like that. So yeah, it's quite cool. It's, it's a great space. It's a great space. I keep looking at Beat Freaks as well on LinkedIn. I'm like, oh, I need to go. I need to go. And I'm just too bloody lazy. But when lockdown is over, first place I'm going. So, yeah. so what drew you to nursing then? Um. So... I've always, it's very, it's very weird. So I've, um, when I was younger, I basically, I burnt my, I burnt my skin with milk, which is very strange. It's a very strange thing. I was at my friend's house and I didn't know how to use a microwave. I think it must have been like eight or something. Oh no. Oh, that's making me cringe. Yeah. I put on for like eight minutes or something like that. Something really hot. Um, I, I like to- like I used to like hot cereal, which is really weird now because I could never do that. Um, <laughs> but I really used to love it. So um, I was making my milk, and then I was I was holding it in my hand. I was like, oh, oh, this is really hot, this is really hot. And then my friend's little brother, he was like joking around, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. and then like he scared me, and I literally just poured it all over myself. And I remember like it was bad. Like, my skin actually melted through my top, like my my top and my skin melted together. It was horrible. And um, I was in hospital a lot for that. And then um, when I was like in year eight. I went through like I don't even know what happened to me. I just was in the hospital for like a week as well, and that was that wasn't good. But it was weird because I kind of felt comfortable in the hospital. It was very strange, and um, yeah, after that I kind of I kind of still felt comfortable in hospitals because I had to go for like other stuff as well. And I was just like, I like helping people. I want to help people. So maybe I want to be. I at first wanted to be a doctor, and I was just like, oh no, too much studying. It's just a bit long. Science is horrible. And I did, I did um, chemistry at A-levels and biology. Anyone who does amazing in that, shout out to you guys, because that shiz is hard. That shiz is very hard. Like, it is, oh, it's so hard. But, um, yeah, and I, like, in, like, first year, I kind of just came to the conclusion, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. This seems really hard. Um, I still want to be in hospital, though. So why, don't, why not just do nursing, like, three years? can still enjoy yourself and you'll still be helping people you'll still be in the hospital so that's why I went with it um yeah now I'm in a position where I'm like 
long term probably not probably not me my long term career but for right now i'm happy doing it and it's yeah plus i i, I still enjoy like helping people i before and um, i moved back to sex i was working in the hospitals around there as well which especially at a time like this when it's pandemic has been quite it's been quite fun to feel useful even though obviously nurses are useful and student nurses and all that stuff are useful all the time especially in this period of time just being recognized more because nurses student nurses we really go through it a lot and people don't people don't recognize it especially like student nurses like our placements are long the hours we do are long we don't get paid like there's a lot that that happens and people haven't really recognized it and i feel like one of the only good things about this pandemic is people are recognizing who the essential workers are and who need like more who need to be valued more in society so not as if like we need to like switch it and make it like oh okay essential workers forget the rest of you guys but just like you put them on you put them on the back burner for too long like now it's time to bring them up on a pedestal a bit more because they deserve it they've really they've suffered especially through this pandemic they've really gone through it so so is there anything that you wish people knew about nursing that the average joe or jane or doesn't know okay there's a couple of things first thing nurses do so much for you they do so like you see your nurse more than you see your doctor and people don't especially in hospitals people don't really understand that like nurses are the ones who are going to be doing a lot of the care for you and what people don't realize is some of these i'm not bashing doctors because doctors are amazing but some of these doctors don't they won't know you they won't know the patients as well because they don't see the patients as much so um sometimes the nurse is the one who's actually advising the doctor on like what they need to give you and the doctor's just like oh okay this is what we need to do but then by the time but by the time the doctor comes around to explain to the patient they're just like oh thank you doctor and then it's like the nurse wasn't even like recognized for anything like that i also think um another part of nursing that i think needs to be talked about more is bro we are not getting paid enough we are not getting paid enough i know people know about it but i'm going to keep shouting it because we're not getting paid enough student nurses need to start getting paid because it's unfair like we do so when we do do placements i do um it'll be like 12 and a half hour shifts and i always get placed my placements have always been further away from my house so there's a hospital near me but i'm just unlucky and i've never got placed there um i've always been placed an hour and a half away so if my shift starts at seven o'clock in the morning you can imagine what morning what time i'm leaving and all this stuff so yeah people need to appreciate student nurses a lot more and um i'd also say we also need to work on the racism of the healthcare system because i can confirm it is real it is really it is it's, it's real that's all i can really say about it like it's it's clear in hospitals you can see it sometimes and it's not to say that it's like it's not to say hospitals all oh, hospitals are so racist and blah, 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 but it's it's in it's institute institute uh, I can't speak, it's institutionalised, so it's in there, whether you know it or not. There are certain things at hand which are leading to more why black women are more likely to die from at pregnancy, why black women are more likely to have stillbirths. I did my dissertation on um, racial disparities in health, and the results were, sh were disgusting. It's literally, uh, from all the studies, I, and this was a literal review, so I looked at loads of different um, research and studies, and one of the clear things was um, the more, especially this was more in America because the worst thing about England is we don't accept racism here. So we don't study it enough. We don't research it enough. So I did find a couple of things, but um, one of the biggest things was the fact that 
the more black people there are at a hospital, the more likely you are to die at that hospital, which is disgusting. The fact that you can literally say that if there's more black people, that's an indicator that the mortality rate is going to go up, that also um, black people are less likely to be believed for their pain, less likely to get diagnoses on time. Um, black women, especially black women when it comes to pregnancies, is actually horrendous. They have been um, coerced into taking drugs that they said they didn't want to take. People have actually been forcibly held down and been forced to take drugs that they didn't want to take when they wanted natural births. It's disgusting that black women don't have autonomy over their bodies. And um, even from like the healthcare providers as well, like even in um, the sessions before where they just like talk about what they want, you can see sometimes like, I remember reading this one woman say that she came to one of the sessions about her husband and then the nurse was judging her the whole time. Like, oh, here we go, another black um, single mother out here in these streets. And it's like, we have to get rid of this, this bias, this racial bias that we have, these stereotypes, these racialized stereotypes, because they are dangerous and they are killing people. And it's not okay. It's not okay that people are dying simply because you believe something that's not even true. The fact that people genuinely believe that black people don't feel pain the same way that white people feel is ridiculous. It's hilarious. It's actually, it doesn't even make sense. It makes zero sense. And I don't know if you've ever watched any of those, um, how racist are you or are you, you know, those how racist are you or are you racist? It's this woman, oh, I can't remember her name. You should definitely look into it. If you Google how racist are you, will come up. It's like these episodes. And she even did a section, um, in England because she goes around the whole of America and she does these kind of like um she kind of does these experiments these social experiments and what she'll do she'll put like blue-eyed people on one side brown-eyed people on one side and she'll literally for that for that experiment she'll be racist well she'll discriminate against um the blue-eyed people let's say and then um it's basically to show it's basically to show people how racism works and how people can be racist and when they came to England one of, this was years ago but one of the women literally said she was a teacher she's a teacher and this is why when we talk about racism it's in every single institution she was a teacher she said yeah i was surprised um this black girl um this and one of my black students she fell over grazed herself and i was surprised to see that um her skin underneath was pink just like mine huh you're a teacher you are literally a teacher you are educating the next generation and you didn't know that black people have the same flesh as you underneath. I was just like, I was, I was, it was, I actually laughed because I was just like, you're actually an idiot. But you know what I mean? It's, um, it's all of these things. So yeah, I think the biggest thing that I want to take away is that there are racial disparities in the healthcare system. We need to work on them. We need to fix them because people are really dying and it's unfair that people are dying disproportionately, especially because black people in this country don't even make up the same amount as white people so they shouldn't be dying at a higher rate that doesn't make sense it makes no sense so yeah that's that's the biggest thing i take away from the healthcare system thank you so much for that no yes to all of it once again but you already know that you already know that so would you please um read a couple of your poems for me okay and for the listeners this one's called first time I was 15 when I first heard the words, I can't breathe, when I first had seen a dying man's plead. His name was Eric Garner. To say his name today feels just as raw as the day I saw what this world could be, truly understood how the world saw people like me. So for those of you who still don't get it, for those of you who question it, and for those of you who devalued it. To be a black person is to feel your heart break into a million pieces every time they kill another brother or sister. It's to wish the world would swallow you whole every time a black mother lets out a deafening woe, reaching oxygen you don't even know. 
to be black is to feel the full pressure of racism's weight on your body till you can't breathe, can't move, don't shoot. To be black is to feel a sense of helplessness while the world ignores your people's tragedies, these atrocities. This society wants to hate us so bad, we don't even know why they're mad. What we did that was so wrong that we don't even have the right to exist, to live, to jog, to feel safe in our homes, to walk the streets alone, to be happy, to be a kid, to be a kid. To be black is to always have a small shred of hope that this will be the last death to fall upon deaf ears, but to know that tears don't last forever. Not everyone will remember, not everyone cares. Now they want gratitude for firing those monsters, but what about the ones to come? Or those who lay in disguise, telling their attacks more cunningly. So if one death holds a little more mystery, no one will notice. Their focus isn't real justice, that's not what the plan is. They want to tear us down, they want us to give up hope. They want that sense of helplessness to consume us in all of its glory. They want us to shrivel up into the weakened versions of the people that we are today. To be black is to be in a constant stage of rage and not in the way that the media displays or what the president of the United States calls us thugs. But because we live in a world that is so overtly racist that a police officer can kneel on a black man's neck for over eight minutes, but he can be charged with manslaughter. This world is so overtly racist that a black female EMT can lay in her bed asleep and be shot eight times for mistaken identity. We are in a tailor. This world is so overtly racist that even in death, Sean Reed, a black corpse can be treated so disgustingly, not a single breath left, just a live feed. And he thought it funny to say, looks like Chris Casket, mask it, change it, fake it. Racism is one of the smartest enemies I ever knew. It's power to reintroduce itself under different under different premise and act brands banking new. Racism is a virus. It's not one that can be managed with social distancing. The funny thing is, isn't that what non-black people have been doing for years? Socially distant. Was it your fight so you always stayed six feet away? Kind of knew what was going on, but being further away meant you didn't have to deal with it today. It's called privilege. And it's not just for the white. Since this has occurred, my soul hasn't been right. My heart has been broken. I've laid in my bed and I've cried, wondering why they would lie. They said suffocation was not the cause. Pause. They said he had underlying conditions. Stop. Enough is enough. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel this anymore. We should have to prove why we should have a chance at life, why we are innocent, why we deserve rights. I was 21 when I last heard the words, I can't breathe. When I last saw a dying man's plead, his name was George Floyd. Thank you very much. So powerful. Every single time it gives me goosebumps and I feel it in my body. Um, would you read another one for me? Yes, I can. Is this the Black Lives Matters Me Too moment? When someone tells you there was no racism in the UK, Remind them one day in June 2016, me and my 16 year old friends who all have dual identities just passed college and were walking down the street. Go back to your own country, shouted a white man old enough to be my dad. The streets were full. Did a single person come to help the foreign teenagers from the harasser? No. When they say you're pulling on the race card, tell them about that time my cousin was stood in the school dinner line. Funny enough, one of our own friends at the time, he said, your melanin couldn't even shine in the moonlight. You're just that dark, right? When the news reporters tell you our police aren't as bad because they aren't armed, show them a picture of David Adewale, a 16-year-old boy who died from an epileptic fit. After there had been no response from his cell door, you think the officers would have run quick. You know what they did? They flicked ash off their cigarettes, waited 38 minutes, they found him dead. Any convictions? No. When they tell you to stop being sensitive, tell them to keep that same energy. Non-black people don't have a problem saying nigger, but when you call them a racist, look at their faces, see how their expression changes. You call that rage? I'ma tell you what rage is. When fools on the internet say, where were the protests for Lee Rigby? RIP, I mean that sincerely, wholeheartedly, RIP. 
No one deserves to die like that. They didn't kill him because he was black. And if you're so mad, why didn't you protest? Where was your upset? Why are you only outraged now? Why we are protesting is because there is a racist system you call life. You don't get it right, that's fine. This is not the time to amplify your prominent white voice then. It's my voice, it's my brothers and sisters, it's my family that you are hurting and killing. And when you do that, the same way you don't see the injustices, you don't see the unity. So when you hurt or you kill them, you are also hurting and killing me. So yes, I am aware that the stats aren't the same, but don't, don't you dare tell me I don't feel that pain. How could you ever know the strain that this has on my body, my psyche, my spirit? People mean it as a compliment when they say you express yourself so eloquently. I say thank you. But how could I ever truly portray the pain? It is an energy force that can sweep you up like a tornado and all it takes is one scroll on your phone and off you go into the same oblivion of pain. And maybe the police aren't, killing, aren't constantly killing in this country, but the ones that have got away with it. This isn't just about that, it's the complete disregard of human life. One way is murder, yes. Another way is incarceration. Why are 40% of prisoners black when they only make up a fifth of the population? The third way is through education. Tell me how black kids in the nation can be three times more likely to face expulsion than their white counterparts. Lastly, let's talk about socioeconomic status. If anyone can explain why we have the highest percentage of people living in deprived neighborhoods with barriers to housing and services, anyone know what the answer is? It's called systemic racism and it's here in the United Kingdom. So let's get rid of this old narrative, this fairy tale. If you don't believe this, you are an oppressor as well. This is why spoken word is so good. This is just, oh, oh, I love it. I love it so much. It's incredible. Um, can you do another one? Okay. Oh, you have so, oh, honestly, you, oh. <laughs> I can't even express why it's so good. I'm sure I could if I thought for, for a minute, but honestly, oh. <laughs> I can't, oh, no. <laughs> um, oh. I'm just thinking. Which one do? Okay. This one's called True Stories. This poem is not a joke. This is just a collection of things that non-black people have said, so take note. 2019, as I walked to my mentor to say goodbye for the night, hair had been wrapped up all day, my head was feeling tight. Letting my 26-inch letting my braids flow as I entered the office, everyone gasped. I took a deep breath. Here we go. Simultaneously, white hands pulling at roots, petals falling all around. She doesn't even think about how it will sound. She says, oh my gosh, you look like an octopus. Everyone's laughing, looking at me and they're laughing. I laugh back, the flower is dead. 2017, entering work with my kinky curls, high puff, rocking the natural hair that I love. Everyone gasped, round two of. White hands shaking my nest, won't let me rest because they're shaking my nest, then she says it. I know who you look like, I figured it out now. You're Krusty the Clown. The supervisor and her laugh for hours, constant cackle, great in their ears. It appears amidst their laughing fits. You didn't even notice the baby bird inside that nest is now dead. 2020, sitting on a jipney in the Philippines, we're on our way to a festival, the vibe is sweet. We're laughing and chanting, just enjoying the moment, being grateful for this whole experience. When I see you examining my appearance, you stare a little longer. Look at my friend sitting next to me. You stare at her a little longer. She's also part of an ethnic minority. You say, can you guys even tell me your skin gets darker? We both look at her. We've been in the Philippines for 27 days and you thought you were the only one who was going to catch some rays is what we should have said. Instead, I smell the rotting of flesh. Look down my little finger, not cross it, getting deep in. The finger is dead. A week ago, 
wake up in the morning, just got out of bed, so I'm still yawning, flicking through my phone, an ex-friend of mine, more of an acquaintance, but we're on good terms, so it's fine. If she catches the attention of my best friend on the timeline, screenshot sent to me read, in school, the kids used to bully me because my hair was black. Being bullied is seriously traumatic, so I am sorry for that. But to compare whatever struggles faced for the colour of your hair to the plight with the colour of your skin is absurd, obscene, especially when I know you change the colour of your hair constantly. So how could the two ever match? I thought about messaging, I just said no. Can't feel my left toe, it is dead now. And finally, this week, we're on some new energy. We feel inspired to make change, spread messages, do better, create unity. My friend calls my line. He says, so you know I've had a girlfriend for some time. She hasn't said a word about this current revolution. She's white, but I'm not trying to jump to any conclusions. So I messaged her, saying her silence is disappointing. You know what's going on, and there's a black man's girlfriend. You didn't say anything. She says, before I say what she says, I believe love is love. So this is not to bash interracial love or any other type of love. But she says, this is the first time I'm hearing that you see race. Let's set race. Let's break this down. She said this is the first time she's hearing that a black man sees race, as if his race isn't the reason why society has always positioned him in last place. She says, I have a lot of black friends and we haven't spoken about it. If you can only prove to not be racist by a list that are really tokens to you, soz, but you still sound like a racist. And to assume that because your friends don't want to talk about it that your boyfriend wouldn't is ridiculous. The black diaspora is so rich, every reaction to racism, every experience with racism is so different, but we can relate anyway. She says, I'm sorry I'm not doing what you want me to do. You heard right, that was the sound of gaslight. She concludes with, I've got a meeting at two, I don't need this in my working day. The world is protesting, but you don't need this in your working day. At this point, I have no words to say. The reason why at the end of every story something died is self-explanatory, but just in case it's because whether your intentions were kind, you chose to ignore how uncomfortable I was, you chose to be blind, you chose to, ask question, you chose to ask racist questions if you wanted to know so bad you could have Googled on the sly. You chose to steal the spotlight from people who are living this struggle. You chose a black man to be your boyfriend and not to educate yourself further on interracial love. The issue is you all had a choice. And that's why there was death at the end of every section because pain was your selection. Thank you so much. <laughs> You really are fantastic. Um, and it's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Thank um, you. And I, I thought that for some reason that we had a mutual friend, but, but my friend must have just seen your videos. And then, because I was like, oh, well, if Lucy knows her, it's like, because Lucy is a writer and a poet. And I, this is why I presumed I was like, oh, she must have gone to uni with Lucy. But it, oh, can you hear me now? What's her last name? Lucy's last oh, name. Oh, Lucy. She's Lucy. Um. Oh gosh. Wharton. She goes okay. by Lucy List on the Lucy List on Instagram. Oh no. I think. I think that's my best friend's sister. Really? She got red hair. Very very oh, curly no. red hair. No. I lie. <laughs> Fair enough. But, yeah. Her, I feel like my, my best friend's sister's name on Instagram is very similar to that as well. But mm. I feel like it rings a bell because you know when you just like, people on your Instagram really like, like something and you, you remember their name just from like seeing it at one time. I remember seeing it at one time. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that she shared it on her story and that I was like, get got to see you. And like, thank goodness for social media because oh. this would never have happened exactly it's an incredible thing and you are absolutely fantastic and it's been a real real pleasure and so guys we've now come to the end of the show um i'm isabella 
and um thank you so much for listening to Cohen FM oh is there anywhere that they can find you on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff yes yeah, so I'm currently only using Instagram at the moment and it's at words of Mareki M-E-R-A-K-I I was going to say Kai-I Kai-I <laughs> It basically, Mareki basically means guy. I feel like I don't tell people enough what this means. It basically means um, the essence of the essence of putting your soul, your everything into your art. That's basically what words Mareki means. So I feel like it was a good and a good match. So yeah, that is a it is a really good match. And is there one thing that you would like to sign off? So if there was like um, a call to action. Mm. Okay, if there was a call to action, I'd say everyone, the momentum will eventually start to die. I know that um, TL's already going back to normal posting, which is fine. I understand that it can be emotionally draining seeing that all the time. But even if you don't see it in your TLs, we need to still be signing petitions. We still need to be donating funds to people who need it. Um, we need to be writing to our local MPs. There is, there is this thing on Instagram, they call the Black Curriculum. They are... Um, this organization dedicated to educating people on colonization because we don't speak about it enough in this country. We don't know in secondary school, I never learned about it in primary school. You don't learn anything about it. And it's really important that we teach people about their history. It's, it's unfair that black people in England don't have any kind of idea of what happened. It's just, unless they do their own education, it's not there. So they've got in their link on their Instagram, they have, um, an email that you can send to your local MPs to get them to agree to change in the curriculum so that we can include that in it. Yes, but continue signing these petitions, guys. We need to. Verona Taylor's cops still haven't been arrested. They've been fired, but we don't want them to be fired. They need to go to prison. We still need justice for everyone else. It's not fair. And also, trans lives matter. I'm going to keep saying that. Black trans lives matter. It's not cool that black trans women have been dying so disgustingly. And this is this has been going on for years, absolute so many years. And it's unfair that we still don't talk about it enough. When we talk about black lives, we talk about them all, all of them, including the LGBT community. Don't care what anyone else says. Trans lives matter, and we need to protect them and protect black women and protect us all. Really, we just all need to be protected. So we need to do more. Keep fighting the good fight and just don't stop. Don't stop because I'm not going to stop. So you guys shouldn't stop either. Yes. And just to make this clear, um, Debbie, Debbie's opinions are also shared by me. It's not like I'm just having Debbie on and then be like, okay, well, Debbie can say it and I'll sit back. I'm going to make it very clear that these are also my opinions. Um, so, you know, don't be, don't be getting it wrong. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Goodbye, everyone. See you later.